Do you have a jingle for us this week? <laughs> um, um, That's another. Welcome to... Dun, 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 dun. No, not really. There's no lyrics to that. You just said welcome. <laughs> You're working on it, which is great. I challenge you to download GarageBand on your iPad uh-huh. and come up with a jingle for us by next week. Okay, I, you're going to have to show me how to use GarageBand. No, no, no. Oh. You, just to demonstrate your genius and the simplicity of Apple products. Yeah. I'd love if you just download it, play with it, and come up with a soundtrack. Oh, you're on, baby. Okay. okay. Next week, ladies and gentlemen, we will have a jingle. <laughs> <laughs> for the Keeping Up With The Joneses podcast. <laughs> I can't wait. Darling, how was your week? Hit me. Uh, it, was, it was good. I don't remember being... Okay, it was a hard week. Okay, but it wasn't really hard. I think when anybody says, like, how's your week going? You're like, in comparison with what? Right. Nobody died. Nobody's sick. There's no bone. There's no blood. Right. But it was just, there was (laughs) lots of, like... Emotion. uh, Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to talk about your emotion? Rather than go chronological, (laughs) let's go emotional stuff over first. Tell us about the wall apocalypse <laughs> of 2015. Okay, so yeah. here's the deal. You know how I was all excited about the wall that I was That's seeing? all you've been talking about. You have right. to describe to our listeners what the wall is. Okay, so we have an office again. And so on the office, because we because we plan both year one and now year two, I designed a calendar that I could have within the same week listed what topics and what speaker is year one and year two so that I can make sure that I never have us double book to be teaching on the same, you know, two different schools. I want to interject here just so they understand. This calendar, how many feet wide is the calendar? Uh, 11. So it's an 11 foot wide calendar that shows eight months. Nine. Nine months, I beg mm-hmm. your pardon. So listeners, if you can imagine one side of our office, which is 11 feet long, AJ is using one of those whole walls to be a calendar. It's across the top. Yeah, the top foot and a half is calendar, and the rest of it will be just a dry erase board. And how do you make this magic happen? Well, you buy this special dry erase paint, or yes, paint, from this company called Whitey Board. And I did it in our previous office, and it's awesome. So it's basically a clear lacquer, like yeah. an invisible nail polish that you paint over the painted wall. Yeah. Puts a protective coating on that allows you to use whiteboard markers. And right. And you can just dry erase. And if out. you didn't write on it, nobody would know it was there unless you write on it. Except it's high gloss. It's high gloss, yeah. Right. So. So I measured, measured again, measured again, made sure I had the perfect calendar and then used a level to draw it and it took me about somewhere near 30 hours to draw it out with a sharpie this is dedication to a calendar this is a highly organized shaper speaking right here yes well i'm trying to set myself up to have less frustration going forward so to me it's worth it so um i drew it all out with a sharpie it was perfection And so I went in on Wednesday morning to paint the lacquer over top of it, just like I did the last time. So wait a minute, just so everybody's with us, you have a freshly painted wall that has dried. Yes. Then you spent 30 hours with a Sharpie, which is a permanent ink marker, drawing out a calendar-like grid structure on 11 feet of wall. 
Yes. And 11 feet going, by a foot and a half. And now you're going to paint a top coat of invisible whiteboard kind of lacquer, which will allow the Perfection. finished product to mm-hmm. be able to see the Sharpie underneath, which will never erase when you kind of erase Correct. it. Correct. And you can fill in dates, speakers, all that sort of information. Yes. The end goal being you can just sit back, look at your wall and see a year at a time. Yes. All right. So... The paint has dried. The Sharpie has dried. You are good to go. Tell us what happens. So I went in and I painted it. And strangely, as I started painting it, there was some black that was on the roller, which didn't happen last time. And I thought, huh, it's lifting the Sharpie a little bit. But by the time I'd actually rolled over top of the calendar, I was watching Sharpie just slide down the wall. Like it it made our office look like it has a Halloween wall. It's horrible. It was pretty scary. It was like black ooze. Yes. Coming out of the wall and creepily sliding down like a cross between running mascara and the shower scene from Psycho. Well, I didn't see Psycho, but I'll take your word for it. All right. Well, <clears> we have <throat> photographic evidence because you posted it to Instagram. Yes. It was so... I, I almost bawled my eyes out. I just had to say to myself, this is like, you know, in terms of other horrific things happening in the world is not a big deal. Right. But it felt like a big deal because of the amount of work I put into it. Right. So that was your first trauma. That was my first trauma. That was the morning. That was in the morning. And then, so I was trying to recover from that all day. And all I'm thinking is, gosh, what did I do wrong? I did the same thing as last time. This is so hugely expensive and now it's ruined. That kind of thing. But the day gets better. We are worse. It gets worse. <laughs> well, I was saying that up oh. pretty funny. <laughs> because so, I know the day doesn't get better. Which is so I show up at mind. church because I'm teaching, you know, the the Father Heart, Finding Father. I should know the name of my own book. Um, on You're Wednesday teaching night. Wednesday night. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Same day. Same day. And so I go by, I check on it. It's absolutely horrific. I'm just like, whatever. And then I go to get set up before speaking and as I open up my computer, there is something wrong with my screen. And there wasn't something wrong with it yesterday when I was using it. But today, on Wednesday, it... Your screen had shattered. It had shattered. And so I could only read the bottom two inches of my screen. But you know what? I'd rather have a bottom two inches of a Mac display than a full you know, 15 inches of a PC display. It's like that verse, better to be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord than dwell among the wicked. So there is that. Okay. But that's not how you felt at that point. At the moment, I, I didn't. I you felt, felt more like, like Psalm 30 verse 5, <laughs> five weeping me last through the night and you hadn't got to the next part. That's right. I felt like bawling my eyes out in front of 40 people. I was like, oh, I'm going to go and get a coffee. <laughs> so I just walked out and sweet Marcus Hendrickson set up everything for me. But I basically had to look at the slides coming up on the screen and then I could read some of the presenter notes on the bottom. It wasn't great. It wasn't a great day. It was a bad day. But in comparison to human trafficking? No. In comparison to human trafficking, it was a fantastic day. Right. Yeah. And then what happened? Because... Sorrow does last the night, but joy does come in the morning. What was your morning? In the morning, I went to Babes with Babes and I had a cronut. <laughs> I was more using a metaphor. What was your morning in the solution to both the wall and the laptop? Oh. <laughs> Thanks for the cronut digression. Um, 
Uh, well, I called the Whitey Board people and actually I live chatted them from the Apple store while I was trying to get my Apple fixed. I started chatting them from my iPad. Okay. I'm so proud of you. Thank you. I had all my devices out on the counter because I wanted them to see I was a loyal customer. (laughs) And so... I've taught you well, young Padawan. So I'm sitting there and... You know, it's ask you for your name. So, I, of course, I put in AJ, and the guy comes back, and he says, you know, you're chatting with Austin Powers. And so I said, if I knew I was going to chat with Austin Powers, I would have given myself a better name. He said, well, I can refer to you as Dr. Evil if you'd prefer. I said, I would prefer. So our whole chat was going back and forth, Dr. Evil, and I kept calling, referring it to him as Mr. Powers. Uh, Mr. Powers, I'd like to remind you that. Anyway. So by the end of it, he's like, Could, do you have any pictures of what it turned out like? And you're like, do I have pictures? I said, heck yeah, I have pictures. So I, he said, could you send them to Bruce? And I was like, is Bruce your middle name? Or anyway, I was just being sarcastic. But he said Bruce was their like paint guy, like the guy that does all of the places if you hire them to come and do the place. Because he wasn't sure what had happened. So, and the end of this slightly long story okay. is that... It wasn't my mistake. (laughs) That's right. They sell two different types of product. They sell two different types of product. And they did not realize that their one part would run with Sharpie underneath it because they've just switched to a new manufacturer. And so he said, actually, I'd saved him (laughs) from having done the same thing because he had no idea that you couldn't do it. And so they're shipping you a new product. They're shipping me a new product. It should come in tomorrow. And I'm repainting the wall and redrawing the Sharpie. But this time it'll be faster because you've already done all the hard work. It's no, but I, I threw out my, my stencil. Okay, that's so a little short-sighted. <laughs> measure Okay, but version 2.0 of everything is always better. <laughs> so that was the joy comes in the morning for the wall. What was the joy comes in the morning for your laptop? Um, it got covered, so we didn't have to pay to have it fixed. It got fixed. It Praise got God, fixed. Apple and their incredible customer service. Thank you. What else happened this week? I don't know. MJ had a fever for four hours? Yeah, four hours where he just lied on me like a limpet and watched Dora the Explorer or Diego. At the other end of the extreme, our nephew, our brave little eight-year-old nephew, had open-heart surgery all the way over in England. He had a whole valve put in. Yeah, which is remarkable. He wanted to keep the old valve they took out. Huh? Yep. He asked for it. So he's got it in a jar of vinegar somewhere. It's kind of gross. As long as you show the grandkids. Okay. And this is what came out of Grandpa's heart. <laughs> Stop crying about your skin knee. Look, Ada. Anyway, so we're all excited that he's out of hospital. That's amazing. It is amazing. We've been working our way through our listeners' questions, working our way through our backlog. Mm-hmm. We have a question from Florida, sunny Florida. Oh, how I miss you, especially this time of year. This is from Erica, one of our former Hi, alumni. Erica. Erica. Your question is, I know you did a message about this, but since moving to Florida, I have had a hard time explaining to people that God doesn't have a problem with women in ministry. Could you please talk about that in your podcast? By the way, I love listening to your podcast. It's like visiting the School of Supernatural Life every once in a while. First of all, great to hear from you, Erica. Hope you and John are doing really, really well. We love you, Erica. Florida, and we miss your smiling We're faces. We're so excited that you're expecting. Whoop, whoop. Are they okay with us announcing to the world that they're expecting? It's all over Facebook. I mean, they're due they're, any any minute. Okay, then that's fine. <laughs> that's a really, really good question. And it's a difficult one to answer quickly. It's actually very, very hard to help answer questions 
that people aren't actually asking. So you mentioned in your your question that basically you're trying to convince people of this. If if people don't want to know an answer, you giving them an answer to a question they're not asking isn't going to be helpful. However, if people are hungry for it, we can point in the right direction a couple of resources. I grew up in a church where women literally said nothing. Literally from the moment the service started, no woman prayed, spoke, asked a question, led a service. When the service was over, women could speak. I since married a woman preacher, one yep. who's actually a better preacher than I am. Oh, thanks, baby. That's true. It's not flattery. Um, we're in a church where women are leaders, and I help uh, raise up women leaders, and many of my team are women at Gray Center. And I love it, and some of my heroes of the faith are women. Anyway, that doesn't help answer your question. There is a great book. And see, here's my dilemma. I don't really want to teach on our podcast. We teach everywhere else. I kind of want to just talk on our podcast. So to answer this properly, I'd need to teach. But you're in luck. I have taught on it. We did record it. I'll put it up on the blog. But a book that was really, really, really helpful for me working through some of the verses that at first pass in the scripture seem to suggest that women should remain silent and that I don't permit women to teach men, etc., etc. Those verses there. It's a fantastic book. It's called uh, Why Not Women? And it's by Lauren Cunningham and a couple of other authors. I'll put a link to it in the show notes. And also, I I think I taught this at Emony. I think this is where the recording is. It may have been at Grace Center, but I'll post that on our website as well. If you look in the show notes, there'll be a link to that as well. And hopefully that will give you some more meat in case people in Florida ask you why you're in ministry and why you're doing things. I'd like to talk about honor this week. Sounds good. Is there a particular place you'd like to start? No. Where would you like to start? Well, I was thinking back in 2003, 12 years ago, Mm -hmm. I was but a fresh-faced... 30-something. Was I 30? Was I even 30? I was born in 74, 2003. I was a 29-year-old man. Babe, you did math in your head. Just like that. I would like to honor you for doing math in your head so quickly. Thank you. That feels more like sarcasm. No. I'm <laughs> Okay. So, 29 years old, I'd spent all the money I had earned to fly to Toronto, Canada mm-hmm. to do the school of ministry out there. Five-month school. Mm-hmm. And like anybody who's super hungry for God and has heard amazing things about school, and by the way, the School of Ministry in uh, Toronto is absolutely fantastic. If you're thinking of doing a five-month school, a residential school, I could not endorse a, a better school than the School of Ministry up in Toronto. We love yeah, it to pieces. Yeah, it's amazing. Anyway, I went there as a student, and like everybody else, we're looking for that breakthrough week, the week where we're going to absolutely meet God, and you know they give you a schedule at the beginning of the year of who's speaking on what, and I'm so excited. I'm thinking, is it going to be in the Father heart? Am I going to have a major revelation? Is it going to be on hearing God's voice? Is it going to be here on healing soul ties? Is it going to be on deliverance? Is it going to be the prophetic week? Who knows? And so every week, you know, was brilliant, but I never felt I got that breakthrough I was uh, looking for, you know, that life-defining moment where it changed my life forever. And that hadn't happened. And so there was a week on honor, and I remember Peter and Heather Jackson were teaching on the school, and I didn't understand a thing they were saying. And I don't want to get ahead of myself. So I'm listening to their teaching, and it's good, but I was having a hard time following it, and I wasn't quite sure what it was. And I was like, oh, yeah, this is great. And then Peter said, hey, we're going to do an activation. And I was like, ooh, activations. They said, what we're going to do is we're going to get into uh, small groups, your outreach teams, the teams you're going to be going on outreach. And what I'd like you to do is, in your circles, I'd like you to honor one another. And I'm like, well, what does that mean? 
So he said, let me show you some really specific things. He said, what I want you to do is I want you to position yourself to honor the person by doing three things. So I'm like, well, all right. He said, I want you to communicate to them with a loving tone of voice. It's like, okay. I want you to communicate to them with eye contact. So I don't want you or them to break eye contact while you're doing this. I'm like, okay, that's slightly more awkward. And then the third of all, I want you to communicate honor through loving, affectionate touch. And I'm like, this is getting a little bit weird. <laughs> Do but, I have to? <laughs> but basically, they demonstrate it. So, so actually, Heather honored one of the students. She pulled out one of the students, and she got down on her knees and uh, this student was sitting on a chair. Heather got down on her knees in front of this student, held his hand, looked in his eyes, and just honored him, just began to speak out over this young man all the things that she saw in his life that were amazing. And, you know, she tuned to prophetic flow and just began to speak the Father's heart and affection over this man. Wow. And I thought, this is amazing. And, of course, we're all crying. And so he turns to us and says, okay, now I want you to do the same thing. And I'm pumped because I've always been somebody who's, you know, keen to encourage. So I'm excited. I'm thinking about what I'm going to encourage one of, uh, you know, everybody with. And the Holy Spirit says this to me. He says, you don't get to encourage anybody. And I was like, what? He was like, Alan, you are very, very good at giving honor to others. You are terrible at receiving honor. And I was like, what? And the Lord said, I want you to sit on your hands and I want you to let other people come and honor you first. You don't get to honor anybody today. And I was like, uh, I don't like this. And so what I realized as one after another, my teammates came up, sat down in front of me on their knees, held my hand, looked in my eyes and just began to speak all the things they saw in my life that they loved and felt honored and loved and safe by, I became absolutely undone. I think I actually had to run from the scene because I was so brokenhearted. I was just so overwhelmed by it. And the Lord just started revealing this whole core of shame in me because you need a foundation to receive honor. And I realized that I had always been somebody who deflected, you know, honor and praise for, for I don't know what reason, for I don't know whether it felt like flattery. I don't know whether it felt wrong. But that week on the school absolutely changed my approach to interacting with people. Hmm. Talk to me about your revelation of honor, where it came from and how you got it. I would say that my revelation of honor probably mostly comes from you. Oh. From you um, both being good at honoring others and valuing honor. So I would say it's a borrowed revelation that I'm still working on. Hmm. I wasn't expecting that answer. You know, Bethel Church in Redding, California, have done a wonderful job at putting legs to the whole topic of honor. Mm -hmm. Bill Johnson says that to honor someone is to celebrate who they are without stumbling over who they're not. Yeah, it's a great statement. And I think probably in our culture, when I say culture, I mean our Western culture. We probably see honor demonstrated at funerals. Yeah. So, you know, you gather around and at a funeral, you you really minimize and don't talk about the bad that the person did. But you talk about the impact that that person had on your life. And sometimes the impact that they had on your life was very, very 
small in some ways. You know, the story might seem insignificant, but it was huge to you. And the tragedy in our culture is that most people receive honor only when they're dead. Very true. And so one of the things I've had in my heart is to actually put honor into practice so that you can impact people while they're alive. And yeah. so I find great joy in finding people who've impacted me and either writing them or sending them a gift or just communicating to them as intently as I can how they have impacted my life and what they've done for me. Yeah. And you're seriously, you're amazing at it. You have Say a, that again, but louder. <laughs> you have a gift of being able to not only honor people well, but help them receive it. Do you know why I think that is? Why? I think I have consistently sat under the weight of God's honor of me. <laughs> I feel like for a long part of my walk with God, God sat on me. I mean, literally, he pinned me down almost and wouldn't let me squirm away without me receiving a revelation that he honors me and delights in me. Hmm. And that's, you know, salvation, all of salvation is rooted in honor. While we're still sinners, Christ died for us. Like God's love and God's affection and God's value on our lives is so great that he exchanged his life for our life. I mean, that's astonishing honor. He looked at our lives and just said, I, I want them in my family. There's something of worth, there's something of value in them. And he saw the diamonds in the midst of the dirt of our lives. He saw something in our lives and decided to rescue us. I mean, that's astonishing honor. And I think, and I don't mean to be controversial here, that salvation is the ground floor of the honor that God has for us. I think okay. too often we get saved and that's it. And I don't mean to say that being saved is something minimal. I mean, my gosh, if all, if all, I mean, that sounds ridiculous, but if the sum total of Jesus' death and resurrection on the, cry, on the cross was to forgive our sins, he's you know worthy of praise forever and ever Absolutely. and ever and ever and ever. Right. Right. However, honor takes us up a level. It moves us from sinners saved by grace into saints who are co-heirs with Christ. A lot of Christians never get that part of the revelation. So we spend most of our lives, I certainly did until 2003, mm -hmm. thinking that we're just sinners saved by grace and, you know, but for the grace of God, there go I. And not realizing there's a whole royal identity to step into where we are literally sons and daughters of the king. Right. And to think like that requires a paradigm shift. Yeah. And so when I talk about God sitting on me, it, it, it was him sitting on me and saying, I can't go any further with you into your destiny until you understand who um, you are and what yeah. you're like and what it is I love about you. Because until you understand the value I've put inside of you, you will never be able to give it away. Yeah. So that old adage of you cannot give what you do not have means you first have to receive honor before you can give honor. Which I think is why I love our culture, because we have such a great culture of honor where we're allowed to be ourselves and be valued for who we are. I, I suppose I'm, I'm then having difficulty separating the difference between the love of God and God honoring you. I mean, they're one and the same. God's love 
you know, was rooted in honor. You were made for love. It's amazing that we're made in his image. Mm -hmm. And so God... That in itself is an honor. (laughs) It's a very God of honor. So therefore we have honor within us. But if, if you think about going back to creation, God creates Adam and Eve and he gives away everything he's made to them. I mean, what an astonishing honor. We went to the Biltmore State last week. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine going to the Biltmore State and meeting one of the surviving members of the Biltmore State and they were just like, oh, Alan, AJ, we're so glad that you're here. We want to give you the Biltmore State. You guys are uh, now the owners of it and you guys get to run it and good luck with that. I mean, that would be astonishing honor. Like, why us instead of anybody else? And right. like, well, I mean, it would just blow our minds. But God creates the whole earth, hands it over to them. And basically says, hey, be fruitful and multiply. He honors them and he trusts them. And you see the fruit of that. It's incredible. And the enemy comes along and robs it and he robs it with shame. Right. Which is the antithesis of honor. Yeah. So most of us live from a shame-based identity. Even though we're saved, we Mm -hmm. still live with this view that, well, you know, I guess God has to love us and, you know, he's got to be faithful to his name rather than having a revelation that, no, he really does love us mm-hmm. because there's something he didn't lovable get stuck about with us. You. Yeah. No, that's right. There's intrinsic value in all of us. There's never been a moment we haven't been perfectly loved. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, that's that honor displayed to us. It's astonishing, isn't it? It's amazing. That means everyone we meet, because they're made in the image of God, is worthy of honor. Right. Without us knowing who they are and what they're like. So that means the prophetic gets to look in the lives of people, and as Chris Valentin loves to say, is find the gold in the midst of the dirt of people's lives. Mm-hmm. Say, oh, this is who you are. This mm-hmm. is who you were created to be. And call them up in honor. And I think that's my favorite thing about the prophetic. Mm-hmm. You know who does that really, really well? Who? Gary Morgan and David Wagner. Yeah, they both do, yeah. They're both prophets who are really, really good at not just calling out destiny, but just looking for the thing that's full of redemption and full of honor. Yeah. Do you have any favorite honor stories? I guess they would all involve you. <laughs> I I guess I attribute when you show me that you know me and that you've paid attention to details, I attribute that on like I attribute that to honor. Does that make sense? No. Give me an example. Well, like when we got engaged and the lengths that you went to to like have all my favorite verses and my favorite coffee and my favorite meal and all that kind of stuff. Like just to me, I felt honored for the person that I was just in little things that don't even matter, but they mattered enough that you noticed them. Mm. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And I suppose really like even last week when we went to the Biltmore, I said this already, but I f- I felt maybe more honored by God. I mean, God knew I wanted to go to the Biltmore because I had told him a couple of years before, right. you know. And even in that, I was like, wow, God, like, you care about, really on, on one level, the dumb stuff, you know, mm-hmm. the stuff that's like, that shouldn't be important. But you so honor our heart's desires and you, you that it's important enough for you to talk to Alan about it. Wow. Tell you another story? Yeah. I remember being on school in Toronto, mm-hmm. and it was, I think it was a Thursday. It's either a Tuesday or a Thursday. Not that it matters, but you're influencing me to tell you unnecessary details. Mm-hmm. Wait, I'm becoming a woman. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> uh, 
And, you know, at that time I was leading one of the domestic teams and it was our day to prep dinner. So I'm in the kitchen and I'm wondering where the rest of my team is. And all of a sudden one of my team ran and said, hey, Alan, you're needed in the main hall. And so here I am in not scrubs, but, you know, I've got an apron on and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm ticked that nobody else showed up on time. And so I go into the main um the main room and there's all the guys from the school just kind of milling around wondering what's going on and nobody has a clue nobody is really sure why we're there why we've been summoned and all of a sudden these doors open and all the girls on the school are dressed immaculately they're all in you know either black skirts or black pants and white shirts and they're done their hair and they've done their makeup and they look just absolutely astonishingly beautiful and they've all been allocated a male student to find and escort into the room next door. And so when we walk into the room next door, being led by you know one of the girls, uh, one of the female students, they've laid out a red carpet for us. And to our surprise, when we walk in, they've transformed this room into a banquet hall. It's a round banquet hall, a banquet table, I beg your pardon. And there is, right before us, this you know, individual tables, all, you know, with our names on them. And when we sit down, there's a, you know, a prophetic word and an honoring card about who we are and what this person has seen in us and what they love. And they spend the evening lavishing us with just honor and with care and like serving us amazing food that they had prepared and then giving us gifts that they had, you know, prepared. And, and I remember all of the guys just being undone some initially just joking oh well you know this is awesome this is the way it should be obviously uncomfortable with honor right but i remember the guy next to me just weeping all the way through the meal just mm. undone just sobbing and he could not get it together and he said and he turned to me and said alan you don't understand he said i have treated women horribly all of my life like i don't deserve this like i am a horrible person when i this is undoing me and i think I think honor is this astonishing ability to bypass reason and just hit the heart. Yeah. Which is why in Romans it says, for God's kindness leads us to repentance. Like one of the amazing things about God is his insistence on showing kindness to quote unquote the wicked. Like he is insistent on wearying us with his kindness and with his love. Yeah, and so this is what happened to this man. This is what happened to us. We're just kind of sobbing, and so they, you know, they serve us this three course meal, and there's chocolates, and the whole point at the end, they just get up and they just said, "Hey, we just want to honor you for being godly man." Well, we literally didn't have an emotional bucket to put that experience in as guys. <laughs> we did not know what to do with that, but stuff like that just, you know, it undoes you. I, I, you know, you've done this twice for me on my thirtieth birthday, and my fortieth birthday, unbeknownst to me i'm a high words of affirmation person but you without my knowing went behind my back and emailed a bunch of friends and family and you know all around the world and asked them would you write a paragraph about some way that alan has impacted your life and then collated them in a book and gave them to me and they're probably two of my most treasured possessions just <laughs> a record of these things and it's amazing that i have this record of how i've impacted people's lives before i'm dead and yeah. i think that's what motivated me is like i actually want to tell the people who've impacted my life hey you've impacted my life like hey i was really touched by this hey i was really moved by this hey you're a great person because of this that and the next thing and it's amazing the reactions that people have some people don't have an emotional bucket to put that in they either okay. think it's flattery or they're so filled with shame that they they can't hold the weight mm -hmm. of that. And that's tragic because in Isaiah 61, 
The prophecy, speaking about Jesus, said that instead of your shame, you'll be given a double portion of honor. So whether we like it or not, our inheritance is a double portion of honor. Right. And it would be tragic that we don't get to experience that on earth because we don't have a bucket to put in. On that particular cliffhanger, I think we'll end it there. If we have whetted your appetite for more information about honor, if what I'm talking to you is completely alien and foreign, and you're like, man, I want to hear more teaching and revelation about honor, we have a teaching prepared for you at our website. Go to alanandaj.com. Up at the top in the main menu, you will see the store. Click on that. Click on honor. It, it's normally fourteen ninety five for the digital download for all five copies for this week only. For the next seven days, we're going to make it available, all five copies, for nine ninety five. We would love you to get this revelation. It really does have the power to change your life. Speaking of life-changing things, our School of Supernatural Life, held at Gray Center that starts in the fall, in September, our applications are now open. We would love you to come and experience our culture of honor at Gray Center. It would be our absolute pleasure to introduce you to the Father, to introduce you to this culture, and to walk with you for eight months. And we have amazing teachers from all over the world who come and teach on the school. It's so much fun. It is. I love watching people change. Like, just get to the end of eight months, and it looks like, other than, you know, I was going to say, other than they still look exactly the same, but actually some of them really don't look exactly the same at all. (laughs) But that they look, you know... They're just different people. It's amazing. It is amazing. Any closing thoughts? My current closing thought is why on earth is our son awake at 8.44 in the, in the evening? I couldn't find milk this afternoon, but there was an old can of Coca-Cola and I gave him that. Oh, Mr. Jones. Mm-mm-mm. Until next week with our new fancy jingle, you guys have an amazing <laughs> week. We love you. Thanks for tuning in. Bye-bye.